Bookworms Horror Podcast is sponsored by Creepy Crate. Creepy Crate is a horror and true crime subscription box filled with spooky collectibles, macabre accessories, and terrifying goodies. Each bi-monthly box is filled with over $85 of terror and includes at least one horror or true crime book. This box delivers dread to your doorstep for just $39.99 with free shipping. Go to creepycrate.store to subscribe. Use the code bookworm5 at checkout to get $5 off your subscription. That's bookworm5 for $5 off your subscription. And now to the show. Welcome to Bookworms Horror, the podcast that offers you tips for writing in the horror genre. I am James Zippoli. I produce multiple podcasts, including The Real Demons of Pop Culture and This Is Some Scene. And joining me is Regina St. Clair, a Wadi Award winner for Best Horror Novel, as well as multiple screenwriting awards, including a Webby honoree. Regina is also the contributing editor of the best-selling Local Haunts Horror Tube Anthology, you can find Regina and her alter ego, Batilda, at her booktube channel, Regina's Haunted Library, and on her blog, rstclair.com. We are both the editors of the truly analog experience, The Bookworms Horror Zine. Gina's over at the Haunted Library. I'm in the Office of Demonology. And Gina, some of the things that really made me smile this week uh, was people commenting on Bookworms Issue 1. I don't know if it's Ang or Ange. Ange mm-hmm. Bain on Instagram. Ange Bain. Oh. Uh, had commented, Horror Reads Mail from Bookworms Horror Zine feels like 1990 again. Mm. Yeah, I know you're more 70s, but... Hey, what are you saying? Yeah. No. <laughs> 1870s. No. <laughs> Just that you like gothic horror, that's all. Yeah, no, I, I, I love the 90s too. The 90s was kind of like another 70s. Yeah. In a way. In the early 90s. I think something happened like... I think somebody in the government was afraid we were going to kind of... Go back you know, to the 70s. Yeah, yeah, and so they, they messed things up in the late yeah, 90s, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another one was Harpies in the Trees. Oh, she's a f- good friend of mine. Yeah, old school vibe. Well, this was a video she posted. Oh, yeah, I, I saw loved. that. That was amazing. Yeah, it was great. Recalling going to the bookstore mm-hmm. and picking up zines back in the day, and she loved the worm theme, which I do love the worm theme. Yeah, so we're going to continue with the worm theme, I now, think, is, but but different different worm variations. Is it official that it's Wormy is the name, or do we have a name? I think Wormy's good. Yeah. I like Wormy. Wormy's like, keep it simple. I know you've been using Wormy as the name, so I'm just assuming, yeah, that's yeah, the name. Yeah, but I mean, it might be, someone might already have Wormy. It might be copywritten, but I don't know. I've never seen that. So yeah, Wormy. I that's always right. liked how, um, well, of course, we talked about being fans of creepy uh, comics and eerie, and they always had the little creepy guy the little uh, mascot that's right like alfred e newman in mad magazine that's right so and, um, i wanted to continue that and the crypt keeper the crypt keeper of course famous yeah i've actually got the crypt keeper the guy who does the voice mm. saying like uh this is the crypt keeper and you're listening to this is some scene hello creeps this is the crypt keeper and you're listening to this is some scene <laughs> Can I tell you that the Crypt Keeper and I was not that young when that came out that he scared me. Yeah. <laughs> he scared me. I like the Crypt Keeper and I and also there's that similar um 
animatronic monster in Creepshow in the movie. Oh, yeah. Yep. Outside the window. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk again, you know, if somebody's just joining in. Bookworm Zine is a horror zine. You can buy it on Etsy. The link is in the show notes. And it would be mailed to your house yep. in, a, in the actual mailbox, not emailed. Nope. And we are coming out with issue two in the summer. Yes, I'm hoping like June. I'm I, my goal is to have to bring the second issue with me to StokerCon, which is like June fifteenth that weekend in Pittsburgh, so I can have some on my display table. All right. So if a writer wants to submit, are you taking submissions now? Yes, uh, okay. for for the summer issue, and and summer themed horror, and I'm looking for flash fiction, fifteen hundred words or less. And I'm accepting mail-in-only submissions, and then you'll have the uh, address in the yeah, show notes. Yeah, it's in the show notes, so you can go into the show notes and see the physical address you will be se- sending that to. And I've already received a few submissions that way, and I tell you, I just love getting them in the mail. So I'll let's bet. get into today's topic, and I called it Ghost Rules, but it's beyond that. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about creating rules for your fiction because I'll tell you, this is the one thing that really will make me not like your story or your movie. Uh-oh. Uh, is if things are just not making sense. Yes, yes. And you have to... So let's talk about suspension of disbelief. You want okay. to explain that? Okay. Oh, uh, So, well, suspension of disbelief means you're suspending your disbelief, meaning that you're not in a state of disbelief. You're, you're uh, putting that out of your mind... So you can enjoy the story instead of saying that couldn't happen, which some people do when they watch movies. And they're really annoying when you're watching a movie with someone that's like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So you have to suspend your disbelief a bit. But we all have a, a point where we don't buy it anymore, I guess. So it, it has to make sense within the parameters of the story. Correct. Yeah, we, we have you know? to build those parameters and uh, here's a recent poll. It's 2021, but that's pretty recent. Mm-hmm. It shows that the belief in ghosts, even though it has increased in the past 15 years, only 40% of U.S. adults believe in ghosts, and half of those, 20%, believe that they have had a personal experience with a ghost. That's pretty high, I think. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> then 40% don't believe in their existence, and 20% are unsure. Oh, and it, okay. if you compare this to vampires, mm. only 8%, and I want to meet these people, <laughs> <laughs> only 8% of the adult population in the U.S. think that vampires exist. Um, and this is not, we're not talking about emotional vampires or time-sucking oh, vampires. Or, or LARPing Yes, vampires. no, we're not talking about that, actual vampires. And then magic, spells, and witchcraft has the same, with fewer people believing that is a genuine phenomenon. Oh. Which that surprises me. It's me love. too, because a lot of people, I mean, friends of mine are like, consider themselves like Wiccans and stuff. Yeah. So knowing that, that when we come to even ghosts, like you said, you thought it, that was high or low, 40% belief. I thought it was very high. Yeah. So when we're writing stories and you have a, a, a bunch of people who don't believe you got to create that universe where they can, right? Especially right. When, like when we're talking about vampires. Most people don't believe in vampires. And if you want to have them read this, um, they have to suspend their disbelief and to enjoy it 
there's a difference between like a fantasy film or story and a, uh, which everything is kind of created, made up. Like there's a world that's made up that has its own rules and a paranormal story where you have like, usually I would say a normal world that's real. And then there's a paranormal element introduced into that world. You know what I mean? Yeah, I heard a saying that if you can take the paranormal out of your story and it's just like the regular world, then you have a paranormal. If you take it out and it's still weird and wild, it's a fantasy. So, yes, but it has to have rules that make sense. In the world you create. In the world you create. And then and that's hard to do. You have to really almost like have your own like lexicon of rules. And, yeah, and, I and you can't violate them or else... You know, well, it's kind of like what Twilight did. Uh, Twilight, you know, changed the, um, the, you know, vampires can't be out in the day by putting them in Washington State where it's very cloudy and the trees are really tall, but they they shimmer or whatever, which was actually clever because it got around that myth. Yeah, I thought, not a fan of Twilight, but I um, I appreciate that change was the mm-hmm. reason why was because they would obviously be spotted because they glitter. Right. Um and I, I guess it's smart. I guess girls love glitter vampires, I guess. But <laughs> I actually like Twilight. So I'm, yeah, I'm uh, not, you know, I, it is what it is. Not, you know what, I, when it first came out, uh, a friend of mine gave me the book and she was like, you really love this. And I was like, oh, this is so silly. But then I kind of came back to it. I watched the movies. I haven't read all the books, but I was like, you know, I can, I can kind of get into the story. It's very, you know, it's a romance more than like any, like horror. But hey, it started an entire genre in a way of a paranormal romance yes it did and you have written some paranormal romance yes i wrote two like young adult series of paranormal romance what were those called the dark hollow chronicles is the entire series it's four books and it's it deals with ghosts and i based it on a lot of ghost stories from this area bucks county which like dark hollow road yes there is a I dark... think about your story every time I drive past that. Oh, okay. That Well, that is a real paranormal place. And actually, I have had... Uh, I did a video where I visited some of these sites that my story's based on, and I did feel like a weird energy there. And then the other book series is three book series about a ballet dancer and a werewolf. Like, like It's kind of like Twilight with werewolves and uh, ballet dancers. Okay. With werewolves, we know a lot of these mythologies. Same with vampires, uh, you know, like how a silver bullet kills the werewolf, mm-hmm. how they change on the full moon. Are they actually like bipedal, like like uh, Lon Chaney, or are they, or Lon Chaney Jr., or are they uh, like werewolves that in American Werewolf in London? Um, you have to decide this before you start writing. And do you do this early? How, how do you make these decisions? I actually did a lot of research on the werewolf lore, which I really enjoyed. Uh, like going back to reading like really the earliest uh, lore that was out there about werewolves, which is pretty fascinating. And then I just used my imagination. I pretty much stuck to the rules of the silver bullets and the um, and the full moon. But I had my, my wolves were more like um, like a real wolf, right? Like the way you would see a wolf in a in a forest, but the eyes were just a little more intense. I had a whole lore that went back to uh, Russia and, you know, 
the Black Sea and all this stuff. It was fun. It was fun to do. Like I like doing the uh, historical research for a story like that. I think it makes it feel more real. Like mm-hmm. I always felt like Anne Rice with her, histo- her oh my god, she's great of, with that of Louisiana and New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Just made me feel like wow, this especially the Witching Hour. Like I felt like I was I love reading those like an actual history of a real history. It was so well written. I just and reread that series, and you know, it's interesting. It's she's an author I love, but she frustrates the hell out of me because she can't really write a plot to save her life, you yeah. know. <laughs> but you just have to go in like and get emerged in her world. Yeah. And I watched the—I uh, don't know if you watched the TV series of I The Witching Hour. It's—it's it's so different from the books. You just have to kind of appreciate it for its own, which is a lot of these series based on books are. You just have to say, okay, I'm going to suspend my disbelief that this is the same story. Yeah. In ghost stories, it's important that if you're going to sit there and say that a ghost can move through walls, mm-hmm. and then later on the you know protagonist slams the door and is hiding on the other side of the door from the ghost that's banging on the door. Yeah. Like... That will throw a reader out of the story. Like, well, wait a minute. Like, a chapter ago, they went through the wall. Now they can't get through walls? And, like, these are what we're talking about when we're talking about rules and knowing that. Yes. Having that down before you get into it. Because you will write and write and write, and you might not realize how many mistakes you wrote. And you want to make sure that doesn't happen. With any of your stories, do you write a list of what the rules are? I don't know if I really make a list of the rules, but I think that... I, as I'm writing, I, like I use a Scrivener. Usually you have a chapter open and then it has like a, it's really convenient. You have a page for notes. Mm-hmm. That's really important because you will be surprised how much you forget. So unless you write it down physically in a book, which I actually do during the final editing process, I have like a notebook. And as I go through, each, it's very painstaking, but as I go through each chapter, I take notes like, oh, uh, wait a second. I said his eyes were green. Didn't mm-hmm. I say in chapter six they were blue? Oh, shit, I got to go back and, you know, fix and that's, that. That's important. Like, not only that, but if you said, like, your, your wolf, I always say wolf wrong mm-hmm. because I'm from <laughs> Philly. If you have your, your wolf and mm-hmm. its eyes are a certain way, yeah. like, you're going to have to remember that if someone else sees it and they're like, oh, there's just a dog. Well, wait a minute. You said that the eyes were so striking or something. Why wouldn't they have noticed that? Like, we notice mm-hmm. these little things that you have to before you go, you know, when you're doing your editing. If something seems like, why didn't this character notice what somebody else noticed? These are little things you have to be aware of. Absolutely. And I remember when I took uh, the Robert McKee seminar, the horror seminar in, on screenwriting. I think I told you I went, I, I did that. It was really an amazing experience. But one yeah. of his, one of his quotes during that was, when he's and he's talking about movies, but I think the same thing applies to reading a novel. He's like when an audience sits down and the, those uh, those lights, the house lights drop, they gain you know a hundred IQ points. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, because they will notice your reader, like readers will notice things that I didn't notice. You know, well, you said that blah blah blah, and you're like, really? Oh shit, shoot, I got to go back and look. You know, like they'll pick up on things that we're blind to as a writer. So I think that it's, you know, the more organized you can get. And a lot of creative people are like, oh, I don't want to sit down and write an outline or write notes. You really kind of have to write some kind of notes about what you're doing and have your book. Like I think of the story as having, that's why I like to have an actual physical notebook 
this right. is this is the book on the story and all the every character name is in here every description every you know whatever uh house street they live on all of these things has to has to make sense you know i was thinking of paranormal stories for this episode like literature and one of my favorite books and i read it every few years and i always read it in the winter is ghost story by peter straub which is also a very good movie the movie is just a fragment of the book because the book is just that dense and kind of long but right that creates such an atmosphere of like a haunted atmosphere and it's done in a really subtle way and it's it's like and it's all under this blanket of snow it's really a delicious book and and great movie to explore like paranormal because i think like when you say ghost story i think maybe people might think oh well ghosts aren't scary but i think well, ghosts can really be scary i think they can i think another great story or book you could try reading is joe hill's heart-shaped box mm-hmm that definitely has well one it's kind of cool because he's sort of like this old rock and roller i like that book a lot i like it a lot too and i like that you know the, it begins i'm not really spoiling anything but that he orders like this haunted coat or suit yeah off from ebay. ebay yeah it's like oh this is like he's just a guy who's just kind of a you know i don't want to see say marilyn manson because marilyn manson has <laughs> since been you know revealed that he's an awful awful person um <laughs> I'm trying to think who else. Maybe Alice Cooper. Yeah. You know. Like a like an old rocker who just has always been kind of like that, you know, or or like a Rob Zombie, maybe. Yeah, Rob Zombie, Trent Reznor, maybe. I don't know. But somebody who's an old rocker who was always into the occult, like mm-hmm. had that connection. And it's a really good story. I think it it's something that I definitely feel like I was scared reading it. I was too. Like the ghost and that was really creepy because because i don't think i'm giving it too much away i think this is in the description he buys the suit Mm -hmm. thinking it's like a joke because he just has so much money and he's just kind of like nothing can shake this guy's world you know he's he's got different women that he calls the states was he on ohio yeah yeah that was (laughs) like he's he's an empty person basically yeah and uh but then this suit Actually, you know, suddenly there's this disgusting old man who smells really bad in wearing the suit, sitting in his chair in his living room. And that really scared me, you know, like that, that feeling of having a ghost attach itself to you. Yeah. And I think that's what really wins that book is the attachment. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like because, you know, there's a lot of rules he has to put into that. I think you should definitely, like, when you check this out, it's like your first question is going to be just burn the suit or just get rid of yes. the suit or sell it. To, and there's so many rules that he has to, you know, pepper in there. Yes, and- I think that that's a good example of good, a good ghost story, yeah. like a modern ghost story. And, of course, you know, Haunting of Haunting of Hill House um, is, a, is a classic. Uh, the Hell House is a, a really good well, that's more occult, but that's a really good uh, story for, for paranormal. And, gosh, I'm trying to think of other... Well, I, I have ideas that are not related to paranormal, but I wanted to bring them up because I think it's extremely easy to understand what we are discussing here, and it's okay. time travel. 
And oh. Stephen King does a couple things with time travel. So the November 22nd, 1963 book, which is JFK Assassination, if you read that, you will learn the rules mm. of his book pretty early on. And so that, that's my question to you, Gina. Like, how early do you think we need to know the rules to the book? Because if you don't do it early, I feel like it's going, to be, it's going to be a lazy way of... Yeah, as a writer, yeah. how, how early do we have to establish the rules to the book? Because if all of a sudden something happens and you now add a rule near the end, it looks like you're just being lazy. Yeah, I, I mean, as, as soon as you can... You know, writing, writing can be an exploratory process, so it's, um, so it's hard to say, like, what's the best approach, but you, you do, you, either you do it as you're writing or you do it ahead of time, or then you go back and do it when you edit, which is probably the hardest way to do because then you have to, like, change things yeah. if, you, if you violate rules. So you could have this amazing scene that you wrote that you're going to have to cut because it violates a rule or keep and then risk your reader being like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. And they'll, and they'll notice. Yeah. They will notice. Yeah. And, and you know, it comes across as lazy. So in, uh, and this is again, a movie reference, but in mm -hmm. Indiana Jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull, it's such an awful movie, but it felt like I've seen that one. Don't, don't see it. Okay. <laughs> but they had this crystal skull that they used every time they couldn't get past an obstacle. It was oh, like, okay. there's all these ants, and they're like, how are we going to get past all these killer ants or whatever it was? I don't remember. Use the crystal skull. Yes, and they put it down, and all of a sudden this happens, and then there's some other obstacle. Let's try is, the crystal skull. And is that the like, crystal skull that was found in, like, Mexico or something and that turned out to be? That's what it's supposed to be, okay. yes. That's what I, the story's based on. I have a book from, like, the 70s that is it's kind of like a chariot of the gods about the crystal skull. Yeah, and that's what this is. Although in Indiana Jones, it's they are interdimensional time travelers. Or mm. something. I don't know. It was, it was so bad. Even Spielberg like tried to apologize for it. In, oh, shit. in his book, he says, look, I tried to direct the best interdimensional space monster things I could do based on Lucas's story. You know? Well, you know, when, that's another thing. When you're doing science fiction, you have to know the science. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like I was like, I think fairly critiqued for my novel code red because it's a, it's a vampire story, but it does have some science in it. And I'm really bad at science. And someone was deeply offended <laughs> by my lack of scientific knowledge. And I, you know, I accept that criticism. I did my best with my research, but yeah, I'm not scientific. So I got some things wrong. Yeah. You know, it's interesting on, my podcast, This Is Some Scene, I interviewed Andy Weir. And mm -hmm. he, he's the one who did The Martian. He did Artemis. And he put out Hail Mary. And we talked about that. I asked him about comparing himself to Michael Crichton. And he was like, well, Crichton sort of takes this idea of where it's more speculative science. Where, mm -hmm. you know, what if, like, we were able to do this with dinosaurs. But it's not real science. But it could be. Like, there's a very fine line between that. Because we, we can't make dinosaurs yet. Yeah. Where his stuff actually, Andy Weir's stuff is actually like science, space science stuff that he's... Like hard science. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it makes it very interesting. And, you know, there's a lot of research. And I even started reading Stephen King's The Langolier again, The Langoliers, because mm -hmm. of this episode. I was, you know, about the rules. And in mm. the opening, he says, you know... I went, I had three pilots. Now, if you don't know the Langoliers, it's basically these... Um, 
people go on a red-eye flight from LAX to Boston. And while they're on this flight, the people who fall asleep actually go through this sort of aurora borealis thing, and they end up landing in Boston, and no one's around. Mm. Have you ever read this? No, but I love the premise. It's so good. Oh, my God. Stephen Don't watch the show, though. They made a TV Yeah, I knew there was a show. With um, Balky from whatever that that Russian, what was it? (laughs) Oh, it was bad. Oh, okay. Oh, and also, when the Langoliers was put on television, it was the early days of CGI. Oh, no. So it is the worst but super funny CGI. Like, if you want to just, you can Google on YouTube, just go and look up Langoliers CGI, and you will laugh your ass off. Does it look like Land of the Lost, like that dinosaur show? No, I I love Land of the Lost. I love Land of the Lost. Somehow, as soon as that came out of my mouth, I'm like, wait, James is going to love Land of the Lost. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> now it's be- that Land of the Lost is superior, you know, <laughs> okay. to this. No, I love Land of Don't get me wrong. I watched that show. <laughs> anyway, um, the Langoliers is talking about flying. And so Stephen King had three pilots that he sat down and he, oh, well, he got research, as much yeah. information as he can. And he says in the, in the intro to this story was, if there's anything that's wrong in the rules of flying and things like that, that's on me. It's mm-hmm. not on the pilots. Like, they probably tried to explain something to me and I just got it wrong. Have rules, but, you know, don't be hard on yourself to the point where you can't write the story. Yeah, yeah. And I think if your if your story's entertaining, people will forgive. Yeah. You know, if you don't quite get the science right, because uh, well, it depends. If it's science fiction, like my book was was horror that had a little bit of a science fiction. If, if I've never written like a s- complete science fiction because I'm not very scientific. So what I think, if you are writing something that includes any kind of paranormal, time travel, ghosts, monsters. Do your research, create your rules for your world that you're creating, and then stick to them and try your best to get those rules in early and not in a a way that is just vampires can't, you know, if you got to find some way that doesn't feel like you're forcing this on them in the the beginning. Also, like, like you can always create your own lore, you know, like that is, that's, that's what it's fiction you can make it up like it's not against the rules to have a hybrid uh vampire werewolf you know or 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 some other kind of combination you can do that how do how how do you think people react to messing with what we now call like the lore of a vampire saying like they you know if you have them walking out in the sun and you said that's not my vampire do you think people get mad at that i think I think it's a fine line. I think you have to have a you have to have a certain vampire. Um, first of all, I love vampires. I've written several vampire novels, actually, or, or stories. Uh, you have to decide like what kind of vampire you want to create. Like, do you want to create the suave, sophisticated, mm-hmm. you know, Count Dracula type? Right. Or is, is your vampire like some disgusting, you know? <laughs> yes, you know, or like a, a, you know, a vermin living beneath the stairs, you yeah. know, in the in the in the dirt, you know. Like you could do, you could. Vampires actually have a lot of range. Yeah, but even, I if, think if you have a vampire that doesn't bite and suck blood, it's not really a vampire. 
Mm. Or, or he could maybe have like a long fingernail and cut and suck it the blood. You know, like there has to just, be some kind of blood sucking going on. I think blood has to be part of the equation. All right. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I would say so, but I'd love to hear if anybody wants to uh, disagree with us. You can find us on Instagram at bookworms <laughs> Oh, I was just thinking. I know I'm interrupting, but like, uh, isn't there like a, a vampire zombies are kind of like a thing? Yeah, there's also in like um, lab type vampires. Yes, ones that mm-hmm. are made in a lab or or experimented in a lab where they they try to get a vampire who can withstand the sun rays or maybe a vampire who won't die from a wooden stake or something because they were created in a lab. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, variations on that theme. Yeah. But I think it has to have some vampire element to be a vampire, just like a wolf. A werewolf has to be, there has to be some wolf aspect involved or else it's not really a werewolf. Yeah. What what if it's like a... a small dog like your dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, small can be scary, like Trilogy of Terror. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is scary. Small can be very scary. or You know, and then Chucky kind of just was a, a complete takeoff Trilogy of Terror. Yeah, any kind of. Well, then it was magic with. Um, I love magic. Was yes. that Anthony Hopkins? Yep. Yeah, early. And so it's a very good book, too. Yeah. Uh, with the, the dummy. Yeah. So small and creepy, like creepy dolls, then we're getting into all that. Yep. So th- but I think that there are conventions that should be explored and can be rejected, but you have to also then, like putting your own spin on something I think is important. You want to have a little originality. Yeah. And you, if you're doing dolls or things like that, you also have to have rules. Even, mm-hmm. even um, R.L. Stein has this series... Um, the Goosebumps, and there's Slappy, who's like this dummy. And that character comes back in so many books. It's a very popular character, but you have to follow the rules for Slappy. You know, like... Right. He doesn't seem to be able to die. They tried <laughs> every way they can. But there have to be rules, or people are going to just jump and say, wait a minute. Like, I'll tell you right now, if Michael Myers comes back after... Uh, the if, last one? Yeah, the meat grinder. I, I don't know how, how that can happen. Well, you know, I'm currently watching all of the Hellraiser movies from the first to the last. Mm -hmm. And I'm currently on the fourth one. And, like, Pinhead is destroyed at the end of every... Well, I don't know about every, but, like, a lot of the ones, like, I just... He just got blown up in outer space. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, how's he going to come back? But, I I mean, I think that's a good... I know I talked about Hellraiser last uh, last episode, but that is a good uh, example of someone who created their own... Clyde Barker created his own mythos with their, his own rules. Yeah. You opened the box, we came. I mean, that's kind of the rule, yeah. you know? And you know, um, H.P. Lovecraft has yes. created a whole mythos. Uh, and so, yeah, definitely something to try. But you, even if you create your own thing, you have to create your rules for your own thing. Because your own thing can't be, oh, it can do anything whenever I want it to do it. No, that's the worst you can do is it's like any anything goes. Yeah. <laughs> like there has to be some gravity, <laughs> you know. Yeah. In, in in your story because otherwise, you know, it's like, well, I could just I could just burn this. And there's always that thing, well, I'm going to burn I'm going to burn the object. I want to burn the the puzzle box, but that doesn't work. Now I'm going to do this, but that doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, you know. and telekinesis, that's another thing uh, with Carrie and things. like those. Oh, are, that's a good paranormal. And that, that has not been explored that much. Not a lot. 
do you remember James and this might be showing my age but there was a TV show in the 70s called ESP oh vaguely probably early 70s and that was, was all that's what that was about it was all about ESP and I don't think that is, that is like like not something you see that much you, I mean there was that great movie uh, you know with the girls The Craft which is oh, about yeah. like witchcraft yep. but you don't see too much about ESP or telekinesis or yeah. this kind of thing yeah so time to bring that back someone uh, out, someone out there needs to to write that story write and that and story. make rules for your telekinesis it can't be right you know it can't be anything goes yeah you know that i mean we could talk a lot about this but that i think we I, have I think we have <laughs> talked a lot about this but it's like yeah you have to set set your parameters and have fun within those parameters and don't break your own rules yep good advice Okay. All right. So pick up the premiere issue of Bookworms at the Etsy link in the show notes. Yep. You can also find the physical address to mail in your story up to 1,500 words. And remember, the theme is summer horror. And the due date, the, the uh, deadline is May 10th. May 10th. So wow, that's, that's coming, coming up. up. Yeah, it is. Woo. All right. Okay. All right. And uh, we'll be back in a week with another episode. All right. Sounds like fun. All right. More to talk about. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bookworms is a Gorilla Delphia production. Yeah!